0: Welcome to the Media Mavens podcast, where you'll hear the most compelling, provocative and real conversations with industry leaders and innovators in tech, sports and entertainment with our host and CEO of well-known PR firm, Access Entertainment, Sarah Miller. Hi, this is Sarah Miller, CEO of Access Entertainment and your host of Media Mavens podcast, here with my co-host Joe Pirates. What's up, Joey?
1: Hi, uh, everything is going well on this Tuesday. How you doing?
0: I'm doing good. I just got, had a whole morning of business calls and catching up from being back. So I'm super excited. We have my good friend, Mark Rauzog, who's on our show today. Mark, welcome to the show.
2: Hey, Sarah. Thank I'm you very much for having excited me.
0: excited to have you on our show and chat with you about random stuff. You are, again, when I met you, you're with another huge Corporation of Texas, you're now the CEO and founder of Adaptive Recovery based out of Houston. And you you guys are all about not just recovering collections, accounting, you guys handle invoicing, you have legal, you are true representation of medium-sized businesses to keep them healthy and make sure they get paid and they're following the law and stuff. Am I correct on that? Or do you represent consumers as well?
2: No, we, we represent the S&B market, mid-sized companies, as well as Fortune 5 and Fortune 1. And we are very much industry agnostic, but we do strictly focus on the business, the business sector. There's a lot of uh, information out there that companies need to know. There's a lot of information that sometimes they don't have about their customers. So we do offer the recovery piece, but we also offer consulting. And we try to be a big source of information for our clients too.
0: Is this, I mean, does this cover like rules and regulations? Because so we talked about this a little bit. There are changes coming up constantly with the government regulations of how to work new laws. I know California keeps passing so many laws making it so much harder to be a CEO, be even a consultant in California. So difficult this past year or two because they passed all of these new legislation laws that no matter who you are, how high up you are, you can never be introduced or in writing that you're an officer or any executive of power for any clients, because then now you could get sued.
2: Right? Yeah, it's a, it's it's a moving target. I mean, and it seems as if it's moving faster and faster every day, and it's not going to slow down. Yeah, I mean, you're right. There, I mean, there's a legislature that's you know passed through the House and it's pending a, a vote in the Senate right now that is going to dramatically impact the way debts are collected, and and it could be primarily focused, say towards medical or consumer right now. But in my opinion, in my experience, it's a tip of the iceberg. You know, we don't know where it could go from there. And so every day it becomes more and more difficult for creditors to pursue money that they're rightfully owed, to be recognized as the, the company that extended that credit versus the bad guy who wants to get their money. You know, so it's it's a constantly moving target.
0: Yeah, but so we could collect monies from vendors who owe us and whatnot, but if they're not going to pay us, there's only so much as a business owner we could do besides put it on their credit. And you can't even put that stuff on people's credit anymore. So it's kind of like the Wild West where whatever happened to good credit and paying your bills, unless it's something where you could shut off electricity, phone, or do something, put a lien on your house, there's really no way to collect money anymore. And I know the PPP, which is kind of not in your wheelhouse, they're not going to collect millions of dollars from people that were trying to survive through a pandemic either.
2: No, for sure. And, you know, again, I, I feel like, you know, speaking of the pandemic, the post-COVID environment, it's opportunistic for companies that don't want to pay their debts. Do you, you have a few things. One, you, you do have some legitimate Financial strains—we all know that's real—but you also have opportunistic companies that see the ability to hold on to working capital. You know, they they see the opportunity of, of. And again, I'm not suggesting it's all fraudulent by any means, but you do have companies that understand how to play that game and how to hold on to working capital, and that's where it gets real tricky. Because you know, most craters don't have the knowledge of. And until they get a bankruptcy notice, they don't really know whether or not their customers are are really being truthful or if they're just trying to hold on to their cash until the very last minute or they're robbing Peter to pay Paul. You don't know. And so that's why again it gets it gets trickier uh, you know, especially post COVID. Things are changing daily.
0: Do so you guys so you guys so let's walk us through this because like you've always been in this
2: industry, correct? Correct. I've been doing this for roughly 20 years.
0: Like, why? Like, is it a numbers thing? Is it helping people? What motivate you? Because we all know that, and the stories we hear, that when they call you, they're not nice to people Mm -hmm. and everything. And I don't, and I just, it's just so hard. I mean, we have definitely used you in the past. You guys have been tremendous, but it's so stressful and strenuous to be hounding people. I mean, why did you decide get into this Industry over the other financial markets.
2: Well, the truth of it is, I had I never had any intention of being in this industry. Two thousand three, I found myself on the wrong side of a, a company wind down, and I had some interviews lined up. I was, uh, you know, obviously looking for an opportunity, and one of them was with the prior company I was with for a long time, and I realized, especially in the business-to-business market. It's not what people think. I think this industry is viewed as something that people just don't want to talk about. It's ugly. It's dirty. But the reality of it is, it's 100% necessary. You know, And, and people don't like it because they're either a creditor who has to admit they have problems with customers. And that's not fun to acknowledge. That means that somewhere along the lines, so you gave credit to somebody who doesn't want to pay you or can't pay you. Right. So it could be a bad credit decision. Or on the other side of that coin is the debtor company who's not willing. So it's never a fun conversation to have. So therefore, I think a lot of people just steer clear of it. Once I learned more and more about, you know, the business the business sector looks like and and what companies need, it drew me in. I saw an opportunity to help companies, an opportunity to help creditors with being a creditors' rights advocate, if you will. You know, and, and companies just don't have the ability. To take it to the level that we do. We have so many resources at our disposal. We have so many experts in this field that are part of our network that we, you know, we have an opportunity to help our clients recover money that's rightfully theirs. We feel that we're kind of the good cop looking out for our clients when they might not have the ability to do it themselves. So that's how I've, how I, I got into it. And I've always been on the side of the business where we're developing programs for our clients because not every company has the same needs. No two clients are alike. You know, and the more and more we evolve in this field, the game is changing. Companies are very much brand centric and, and and they're in the business of preserving their image. And you know, they, they don't want to have what most people think of as that typical bill collector, right? They don't have an appetite for that anymore, especially the larger companies. So we've just come up with some different ways of addressing that and, and bridging those gaps. And, and it's, it's quite frankly, a lot of fun. We, we really enjoy what we do. Let me ask you a
1: question with, um, is there an average on how many cents to a dollar a creditor will get back when it comes down to what you guys do?
2: Absolutely. And the reality of it is, is that average is going to range significantly based on the client's Customer base, their industry, what steps they've taken to secure their position prior to extending credit, what steps they've taken once that customer becomes delinquent. It can range anywhere from a, you know a single digit percentage point up to seventy or eighty percent. We find that most clients typically fall somewhere in between. But again, it's really a matter of of leverage. Timing, I'd say the biggest thing that impacts that is time and when they decide to get somebody involved or at least start asking some tough questions. And, you know, there's always that constant struggle between credit and collections and sales, right? Salespeople want to push the deal, they want to push the client to, to come back for repeat business. And there's often that disconnect between the credit team when A sales guy wants to bring somebody in that may not qualify for a deal. They might not, you know, be the best customer on paper. How do they find that delicate balance? So, you know, all of those decisions impact collectability. They impact what that DSO, their day sales outstanding will look like. And ultimately, all that impacts working capital and and what that recovery rates now look like.
1: Interesting. Mm -hmm. Now, when it comes down to it, you guys have an auditing firm as well that goes in there. When do you call in the
2: auditing firm? When, when is the time you say enough is enough? So we have a, we have a team that, that does the audit work for us. That's internal. And it's really based on what each client wants. And our audit wait, program... Wait, 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 Mark, nothing to interrupt you and Jill. Sure. I want
0: to go buy your services. Good question. But is the auditing... Joe, when you asked him this, is it the auditing tour we could go into a company like per contract and we could audit their financial books on rev share partnerships? Or are you talking about a different type of auditing when it comes to collections?
1: I didn't know if they, if they have any kind of, you know, I'm still kind of new to this. I've done a little bit of research. But when it comes down to like bankruptcy, I mean, I would suppose that you guys would have a chance to take a look at the books and
2: see where they are as a company. So when you get to a bankruptcy situation, they're protected. There's an, a, mm. a trustee who's appointed, right? Who will handle that entire process. And anybody that's in our capacity has to step back due to a required stay. And there are companies that are brought in that do that work, but they have to be appointed by the trustee. Mm-hmm. So it's a little bit different once a bankruptcy is involved. But there are other approaches that can be taken. For example, let's just say Especially right now with post-COVID and during the COVID era, there was a lot of smaller companies, you know, getting acquired by larger, and that leads to a lot of unknowns when you're talking about their customer base. And so sometimes you'll find, you know, some of the best customers owe a significant amount of money. There's delicate relationships there, so there are different audit techniques that can be used to preserve those relationships to approach it from a non-adversarial manner, mm-hmm. but. From an actual audit, anything that comes from a bankruptcy or an actual invoice audit, there are some very good companies out there that do contract compliance audits and uh, invoice audits, but it's just a different approach.
1: Now, have you ever had to go after the government? <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. Really? We have. And they we pay. have. they paid. Uh, really? Yeah. So, yeah, so, some of them have been um, state level. Okay. Uh, we've collected from some of the armed force branches. We've collected from some international entities as well. So it's a different strategy altogether. And a lot of that's knowing how to navigate the proper channels because you're really not going to scare the government or, you know, they, they, they really don't have much of a fear factor or motivation. So a lot of that's just channel navigation and knowing how to, uh, to get that payment process. But we definitely have. Okay. Are those
0: like DOJ contracts is just like people say, hey, I had a big return. They're not paying it in time.
2: All of it. It's, it's, it's a combination. And, and, you know, a lot of it's not just because they are avoiding it. I mean, look, it's a huge machine, right? I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a big machine to move and wheels are huge to turn. So you just have to know how to make sure you're lined up to get paid. And uh, it's, it's, it can be very challenging.
1: And I imagine that that kind of depends on tax receipts for the following year and how much money that they're actually bringing in.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of variables that go into it, you know, and, and I, I feel like recently as technology has evolved, the government's evolved with it and they're doing what they can to make it easier for their vendors to get paid with the use of payment portals. And they, they have the, the structure in place, but they don't offer a lot of guidance on how to do it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we, we had one here recently with an armed forces branch that was that exact situation. Our our client didn't really understand how to navigate their payment portal. Yeah. And you know, we were able to get it resolved through just, you know, again, following the trails and and, and kind of peeling back the layers of the onion. But they, they have made it easier in recent years, but it's still not still not the easiest process.
0: Okay. Me, I know a lot of people are pissed off because a lot of these airlines, they bought tickets. And so the process is, like, like, because I bought a ticket, first-class ticket down to where I was at in Roatán, and Avianca stopped flying out of the U.S. and into Roatán. They just shut down all of their services to the islands. It's only between Colombia and some parts of the world that they're flying in and out of. So... I had a fight for four months and I had to dig in eight hour phone calls. My Spanish sucks on the phone. Hang up, dial back, get disconnected, dial back. I mean, I had to get the bank involved. I mean, I went through, it was maddening just to get that refund. And I had it first class, fully refundable. Airlines don't, I mean, I think I just got it refunded back like a month ago, but there's people I know that said it's been a year from COVID And that they're still not getting refunds and they are going through so much headache because they're not gonna walk away from fifteen hundred or two or three grand. It's the principal they want that, they don't want the credit because they couldn't travel, they want that money back. And I just feel like there's such a mass quantity of people in the same boat. They're consumers, they're not businesses, your market, but they don't know how to go about like kind of trading the waters and the system to get refunds and get money back. And the banks are so overloaded, just file it in and we'll look at it when we can. So I feel like this is such a critical part of being financially healthy for your business and whatnot. And there's so much out there. People, it's either lack of education or not knowing how to work the system to be able to get money back. And I think a lot of, I mean, a lot of individual people owe money to vendors. We know that. But I think a lot of big companies who have the money just aren't refunding and they know they need to. They know they should. But if you're a monster company, fuck it, I had tons of attorneys. We're a monster billion dollar company. You're just going to go away. And then our bottom line is going to just increase because we don't have to refund it. I don't think that's fair. And I do think there's got to be some steps people could take so they could just a little bit easy way to collect money's owed Versus having to go to an agency because most agencies like you guys only deal with businesses, not the individual. Is that correct?
2: Yeah, and you, yeah, you 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 bring up an interesting point specific to the airline scenario, we, and, and we do have clients who provide services to airlines, and and so we have a lot of exposure to the airlines like you're dealing with that were all but shut down during COVID. Yeah, and it's a tough scenario because those companies. The ones that survived were going to be are going to be your bigger airlines, your smaller regional airlines. A lot of them are gone. I look at them every day, or they're hanging on for dear life. And that money that unfortunately was paid to them is probably gone by now. And you're right; you can you can get in line, you can ask for a refund. You know, hopefully it happens. But you're right; there's no guarantees, and, and there's not a whole lot of safeguard for those companies in place to, to do it. But yeah, I mean, it does. It gets very difficult to recoup what's rightfully owed. And you know, and again, the laws are moving in the direction of protecting the debtor individual or the debtor entity. And I, I don't see it getting any easier. Yeah, you guys
0: look at me, I don't know if you I mean you guys are a tremendous firm and you know I've known you and everything you guys do. And I want to kind of get into the private investigation services and litigation. But are there companies out there now that, I mean, let's be honest, the pandemic sucked for a lot of people, you know, mentally, physically, financially. And there's a lot of people who took advantage of it because they're coming to the market with actual needs that aren't as a gap of a whole of what's needed and where there needs to be help now and solutions because they spent the whole year figuring it out. Is anybody going into the market or is this a service that is viable to come after all these masses of people who are have money owed to them, but they're not an SMB business, they have nothing to do. They're just individual people who are just complaining, executives are not, that they just lost tons of money to airlines and travel, for
2: example. Are you, so you're asking if, if there are people entering... The credit and collection side of things, or are you saying are people capitalizing? Yeah, because
0: t- you're covered on the business side, but don't you think mm. everybody and somebody would have moved in to capitalize on the individual side to collect money for people? I would think that there's a huge wide opening for a company to one make money because so many people are owed money, and it's all companies who owe them. It's not so much right. individuals.
2: Yeah, it's it's hard to say. I mean, there's a huge movement in. Especially on the consumer side to move towards automation. So what, what you're seeing is that there are some key consumer agencies and business partners out there that have been established for a long time. The difficulty and why you're probably not seeing another, another reason why you're not seeing more entry is compliance. It's very, very difficult for, for companies to, to be licensed and Especially on that consumer side, you know, some of that legislature is going to tighten what agencies can and can't do, even restricting mailing letters, you know, and it's going to really tighten their workflow. So I I don't know really if many new uh, consumer shops have opted to jump in at this point in time. I do agree that there's a larger number of debt. I mean, Consumer debt alone is over thirteen trillion dollars right now. There's a large pie out there, but I, I just think the barrier of entry is is is, pr- is pretty pretty challenging.
1: Yeah, interesting. Is there any industry, general industry, that uses your business? Uh, what would you say would be the one industry? Let's put it this way: that would be using your business. Is there a, a type of business?
2: Well, you know, we're fairly industry agnostic, but you know, our client base is pr- pretty diverse you know it's going to be oil and gas like i mentioned okay. aviation we're going to be manufacturing mm-hmm. we have a heavy staffing presence you know so really any scenario where a contractor or service was sold on terms we engage okay. and we we were able to do that because we're going to customize that program for each client we're not going to just assume every client wants the exact same thing we're not in the business of taking on a debt putting somebody on the phone and mailing out an a letter. We, we believe that if that worked, companies like us wouldn't be necessary. And we felt like there was a better way of doing it. And so it enables us to treat each client differently and expand our reach to different industries too. Okay.
1: I was just curious if, if it went in cycles, that it would be a cyclical thing. You know, this company is during this time or this company during this time. I just didn't know if it would win something like that.
0: Startups in tech would be the worst market for anybody like Mark and you guys, because there's so many startups in tech here today, gone tomorrow. They just bought it out. VC's pulled the money. They just roll it back on the debt as a loss. And it's so hard. Like I know so many startups in tech that have burned bridges. I have friends, I have other clients, other partners. They just, they don't collect. It's just not worth the time and effort because they know those companies are just Done. They're startups, they're young, they burn through the money. And that's what sucks about the startup space, at least for technology. But like so, okay, so I have two questions for you. Okay, I'm gonna go with this one since we're rolling down the tech space. Is there anything people could do? When they're starting a business or, you know, newly out the gate, want to be an entrepreneur, any advice you could give people, here's what you need to do to be safe, to avoid having to go into the situation we have to, you know, get in collections or you're in debt because they're in debt to you. Is there, I mean, you guys have a lot of services here. It's kind of a two-part question mark cuz you guys have litigation services you got private investigation you have everything people need when they can't get money collected and we all which is amazing but is there any way is this this isn't a I'm trying to know how a word this it's not a reactive it's a proactive of how can we engage with companies like you to make sure we stay healthy we don't fall into that trap does that make sense
2: no it's a great question and I, and I wish I would have worked with some of our clients earlier in in their existence, right in their infancy, because it would have prevented a lot of pain for them. The one thing I always recommend to clients when they are starting out or any phase of the process, because I think this is one area that comes and goes, is really defining policies and procedures of how you're going to onboard clients, how you're going to conduct periodic credit profile updates, and what you're going to do with your team once a customer becomes delinquent. Because it's not a matter of if, and it's a matter of when and how often. Because it's going to happen. If you extend terms, it's going to happen. And a company that might look great on paper on day one, when you open their account, next year, things might change. You never know how things are going to impact them. What if their industry is the one that's dealing and selling the tech startups? Right. What if they're not the tech startup? What if they're the one that's the vendor to the tech startup and they're getting hit by bankruptcies. That's going to now trickle down to your organization and impact their ability to pay you. So periodic credit checks are imperative. Having a set structure of what's going to happen on day one, invoice goes out, day 30, if that's not paid, what happens at that point in time? When is a follow-up call made? Who's going to make that follow-up call? What's going to be said? And what are you going to ask of that customer? What's going to happen at day 60? And then so on, right? And then by day 90, if your terms are net 30 and you're at day 90, that's clearly not what you signed up for. That's clearly not what you agreed to with that customer and expected to happen at that point in time. So having a set of defined rules and sticking to them, setting them as one thing, sticking to them is what I see oftentimes gets compromised. And that can be happen, that can happen because, well, they've been a really good customer for a long time. We don't want to burn that bridge. And they're the one that owes you of your aging, and next thing you know, you're getting a bankruptcy notice that can put you under. You know, I wish there were clients of mine who I'd worked with from day one because I've seen some struggles and pains that were avoidable. You know, and and it's important to find that balance between the credit and collections team and the sales team because look, sales reps are, 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 are driven towards onboarding customers and they're not trying to bring bad deals to the table, but it sometimes happens. So, how are you evaluating? a customer once they're on board, right? Oftentimes they look great when they when they fill out that credit application, when they, you know, start that relationship. But a year later, things change. Sarah, you mentioned the tech startups. You know, they might not be that tech startup, but they could be a vendor to that tech startup. And if those companies start falling off, that's going to impact that customer's ability to pay you. So there, there could be a huge trickle-down effect that you may not know about until it's too late. So that periodic credit review, is is very, very important. I would also recommend identifying a company that is on the back end, that's not just an agency, but you can bounce ideas off of, you know, because it's really important that you have somebody that's not in the middle of this situation. If you have somebody that's delinquent, every single one of them is not worthy of being sued. You're not, you know, it might be a salvageable relationship. They might be willing to pay you or ready to pay you, you just don't know it. So information is key. An agency or a, a third-party partner will oftentimes help you with research and help you know more about your customers or help you with those reports for those periodic credit reviews. There's some services out there that you can pay. Oftentimes, you, you know, you'll get a business partner like that that will help you identify how they look on paper. But Start that early because again, it's not a matter of if you're going to have somebody who goes delinquent or doesn't pay you, it's a matter of when and how often. That's just part
0: of doing business in general. So, companies like start with new clients or they want to make sure they avoid all of that. You're a great company to talk to. For example, if we bring on a new client, hey, investigate the client. Are they financially solidable? Because we, you know, people bring on a lot of people, they don't really know where they are financially. And I know so many great executives and consultants and hyper up people who just, they've gone screwed. They, you know, hey, the CEO said, we're solid, we got this, we're financially stable. But then six, nine months, they're fighting to get paid. And I think in the very beginning stages, you guys are great to go into any new clients because a lot of spot companies don't want to call in five days, email in six days, where's the bill? Or they may want to say, hey, we want to do a retainer upfront because we don't, you don't have great credit. And I think that whole area is where I think it's great to call you guys to start from the beginning so it is a smooth relationship and it doesn't get damaged between, you know, 10
2: situations every month. For sure. And look, there's never a guarantee, right? You, you never know what's going to change with that customer down the road. But the more you know up front, the better off you're going to be. You know, you won't prevent all of it, but you can definitely avoid some of the bad eggs that might want to get in there. Right. And, you know, in that situation, let's just say you have a marginal customer, you know, then you can evaluate if you're willing to take that risk, how much, you know, what type of credit limits do you want to authorize? Are you going to require a personal guarantee or collateral that's going to protect you? And and again, you know, personal guarantee is really only as good as a person who signs it. So you know, there's a lot of research and information that it's important to gather on that personal guarantor when you're making that decision. But you know, you, you can definitely minimize the exposure.
0: How do you guys handle this? Because you get let's just talk about business models for a second. You guys don't charge people; you take a percentage. Of, was it 30 percent of whatever you collect? Right?
2: It, it just varies on the on the situation, age, dollar amount. But
0: what if you don't collect hundreds of thousands of dollars? You guys put so much effort. That's still a loss for you guys.
2: We're good at what we do. And we believe that the communication piece with our clients is pretty important because we do recognize we're not going to collect everything that we, we touch. Our team, we're everybody's compensated based on how well they do for our clients. So if they get to a point that they recognize as a dead end, we unfortunately are not not going to always deliver good news. We're going to have that conversation with our clients and tell them, here's what's going on. It's not going to get collected, and here's why. You know, at that point in time, we write, make a recommendation to either continue pursuing it or advise our clients that we'd write it off. We're in their shoes, but they have that choice. But yeah, I mean, you're, you're right. But that's just the nature of our business. And we also find a lot of times we're, we're able to make a pretty significant impact for our clients where the recovery rates are quite strong. So it works.
0: Yeah, there's. I um, mean, you guys have private investigations. You guys do represent clients illegally if you do have to go to court. So you guys are pretty much the whole end-to-end solution to keep businesses financially healthy,
2: which is great. That, that's right. You know, and in, in part of our process is utilizing investigators, and, and we, we conduct financial profiles. We have a network nationwide as well as abroad, mm-hmm. depending on the country, where we can actually have somebody meet face-to-face. We do have a legal network. Part of our team is comprised of attorneys. But we also have local attorneys in pretty much any jurisdiction we need to be, where we can actually refer it and actually, you know file a suit in the debtor's backyard if we need to. So yeah, I mean we try to be you know start to finish. Nice.
0: It was mean, so this is all important because like I know when we talk about with a lot of our guests on the business side of it, we everybody talks about all the fun stuff and what they're doing, but we never have these discussions. It's like you said, nobody wants to have a discussion about something that they have to deal with on a daily basis that's not fun. Like we talked about COVID, right, Joe? We had a few COVID people yeah. and they were tough conversations because it was very heated because they felt, you know, everybody took a side. We've had conversations politically, gone to a really good one that was a little bit heated on Black Lives Matter and everything. So but it's like we've never talked about the business aspect of how we all stain healthy on a business level as a company, how we survived through the pandemic, how we stayed afloat. And I think the best thing, what I love is that there are certain things you need to do to stay afloat going into it. And there's always all these playlists of how to get funding, what to do when you launch, but nobody ever covers how to make sure financially you're moving through the waters, getting paid and you know how to position yourself so you don't end up in debt. I think that's a critical conversation nobody's having. And The legislation is moving very quickly right now on a lot of business laws. And I don't think there's anybody explaining it to anybody.
1: And that's why I think somebody like Mark's company is a good person to bring in. Because, I mean, a lot of those decisions by by major companies are made by emotion. And I think, you know, you have somebody like Mark come in and take out the whole emotion and just bring in pure logic of this is what it's going to take. This is what's
2: going to happen. Joe, you're spot on. The key word there is emotion. And, And it's a tough battle. Because, you know, sales are down rather than being tighter with credit policies, they open up. And that's oftentimes how, you know, these guys get in there and and the companies that don't either, either don't have any intention of paying in the beginning, you know, and, and I know that might sound very strange, but we've seen it thousands of times. Examples, I mean, you take the oil and gas sector, which we have a lot of here in Texas. There are people that will drill. And they will create a different entity for every well. And we've seen individuals who have created 45, and 50 entities, LLCs, for each well. And if they hit a dry well, they close it down and walk away. Like you mentioned, the tech startup. There's a huge parallel to that. If they hit, great. They win big. And if they don't, they're protected and they walk away. And, and it's insane. But those those are the deals that those can kill creators. Oh. That's nice. you know
0: that that's how they do that but, but that's like everybody it's like and attorneys always say always remove your emotions you cannot sue on principle morals ethics as much as it pisses you off you gotta sue on the facts and what you have evidence on and it's like joe said people do make it emotional or, or they get screwed over and it's a matter of the principle of just seeing somebody go down they don't care about the money but it, nothing's in our control we don't have crystal balls we can't see into this. We don't know what's going on. I would assume banks, universities, Joe, and like yeah. government companies are the least people anybody would not pay or
1: screw over. But I I, That not. would be my guess. I mean, the the fact is, is that you're going to be, you know, you're fighting against Goliath at that point.
0: But what if you have a student loan? I mean, Like a lot of kids aren't paying their student loans. The university have to now call an agency to go after the student loans.
1: Well, I'm sure that there are plenty of other companies out there that'll that are specializing in that, especially now. Would would that be right, Mark? There there are, but you
2: know that's an area where there's a lot of reform coming, right? I mean, there's a lot of student loan forgiveness and areas where it's becoming more and more difficult to for the universities to get paid. So yeah, I mean that that is true. But you know, the key there, like you said, the emotion. We have clients that we've had to recommend. You you are correct that you are owed this money. You are rightfully owed this money. I understand you want to litigate. But one, we're looking right now, there is such a backlog in the court system as it is. And the company that owes you money, they don't have any assets. They don't have an open bank account. You're going to go get a judgment and you are going to get the satisfaction of a piece of paper saying that you were right when you already knew you were right. And now you've hired an attorney and now all you're going to get stuck with is that paper. You can't put that in the bank. And so the emotion has to be removed. Yeah. There's Very other ways, difficult to do.
0: There's other ways of handling. I mean I, this is really bad, but there's other ways of handling people like that on social media and groups. I mean if they want to tarnish their brand and their reputation, there's a lot of ways to close that coffin on them versus going to court. It's just sad that we're in a society where business ethics and like the whole trust and how paying your bills has just gone to hell in the past two years. People are desperate. They're trying to scam yeah. get what they can and hide and run. And it's just, I think it's as a business owner, you have nothing but your reputation out there for
2: sure. For new no, no doubt about it. It's
0: a very dicey game to play when you're running like that and you're running a business like that. It is eventually going to catch up to you.
2: Yeah. And it's, it, it is a sad state when you feel like the the, the businesses that do care about the reputation. Are the creditors who are fearful of backlash of, of how they're going to be perceived if they go and pursue a good customer or a quote unquote good customer? You know, mm-hmm. it's more sensitive for the people that are rightfully owed the money. So yeah, it's it's definitely an odd time, but it's it's like we've talked about it's not getting any easier.
0: Post pandemic is gonna be tough. I think this next upcoming year, I think between now Like this fall through next fall 2022 is really going to be a lot of shakeout because the whole pandemic, the whole economy isn't, we're not really caught up yet with it. The economy hasn't Mm -hmm. caught up to us. We're not really realistically caught up to what's going on, going back to work, bills that are going to start coming in because there's a bit, a lot of forgiveness, you know, not paying bills, not paying rent, at least in California. And wait, Arizona is not a rental state, right,
1: Joe? We mean not a rental. Like,
0: like, so so California is a, I a mean, New York are rent control and they oh, gave no. any electricity bills, any gas bills. Right. You don't pay paid for almost a year. They could not shut you off. They had to figure out how to collect that back. So I think people kind of had this, I hate to say free ride and all the EDL scandals and stuff in California. It's just going to be a mess to like figure out. What and who owes what without sending more homeless people out there because they're being kicked out and stuff. So I just feel like this is a really bad thing to say, but I feel like the whole debt industry is just going to shift dramatically over the next year. Cause I don't think any of that's going to be collected, but then new ones coming up, there's no excuse. You can't blame it on COVID. You can't blame it on a pandemic. So I just think, I don't know where this is going to shake out in the economy with bill paying and recovery and where anybody falls on this on the spectrum of of debt recovery mark i mean do you have any parting thoughts on what you think we're going to end up
2: well i I think you're you're bringing up some very good points and i mean i've seen this from when everything collapsed in 2007 2008 you have people that no matter what will always find a reason to justify non-payment good economy bad economy it doesn't matter you're going to have individuals and organizations that are going to find a reason to either justify for opportunity's sake, for working capital, or they don't have it. So yeah, I think post-pandemic, I I do think it's going to increase. I think the debt is going to continue to trickle up. Mm. But I also believe that a lot of that debt's not going to be recoverable, or not going to be simply recovered. There's been some conditioning that's happened in the marketplace. and There's some comfort that's been developed where like you said, people haven't had to pay some of their obligations. So I think there's going to be some comfort of, or an inability, if you will, as well, where they are not able to pay that debt. So, yeah, I, I think it's going to be an interesting time ahead of us for sure. And once everybody, you know, the marketplace and, and businesses are really running 100% again, we'll, we'll, we'll know. I don't think people, nobody wanted this to happen, you know. And there is some really genetic pain that's been felt over the past year and a half. But Mm. we'll see where it goes. It's going to be an interesting time. In other words, the bill is coming due. (laughs) <laughs> no yeah. bad joke
1: i know oh
0: wow that was there a good podcast i think the comeback is real on this one i think our political and economic future is so shaky right now but i just think that we have companies like you guys you know to help keep people safe and to start going towards to avoid those traps and everything Definitely. yeah like on that joe i can't remember if you said that that was good though <laughs> um, <laughs> Oh my God, it was so good having you on and catching up with you, Mark. And I love having you on because we haven't chatted since you took, you know, you founded your new company pre-pandemic. And it was so good to have you on because I think this is such a timely and topical discussion. And it's I always like uncovering topics and conversations that we all think it, but nobody's has enough nerve to say it and talk yeah, about it, you know?
2: Yeah, for sure. No, I'm, I'm I'm glad you guys had me on. It was great talking with you. I appreciate the opportunity to, to talk about it. And uh, where hopefully, can, we provide some value. I
0: mean, obviously, you know, the podcast is all about the businesses and executives. Where can people find you to go for, you know, as credit consolidation, recovery, legal, PI work? Where can they go find you guys?
2: Sure. Yeah. Our, our website is adaptiverecovery.com. Our, our phone number is 832 653 9858. If there's anything we can do, we'd love to extend a, a consultation and uh, have a conversation.
0: Wow, nobody's given us their number live before Joe.
1: Yeah, I know that's the first time, but <laughs> I, I, w- I would encourage people, first. I would seriously encourage people, I mean, to to give a call and, and because you're not gonna kick the can down the road very far when it comes yeah. down to a lot of these companies.
2: Yeah, yeah no, and, and that's what it's all about. And it goes back to what we talked about with that advice, ask questions early and often. You know, it, it never hurts to have a conversation. You might find out you have nothing to worry about, might find that that there is you know so it's always worth asking yeah
0: Okay. okay it was so good having you on mark thank you for taking the time for us today joey always good to spend a podcast afternoon with you
1: yes definitely
0: and we look forward to seeing everybody next week thanks guys thank you for joining us for this episode of the media mavens podcast if you don't want to miss an episode or want to download past episodes Be sure to subscribe to the Media Mavens podcast on your favorite podcast provider. To learn more about the podcast or our guests, please visit MediaMavensPodcast.com.